Come have a seat in the skulled circle and hear the tale of the theft of Aiden's apples, as told by Casimir. Before we begin our tale, we'd like to remind you that we release new stories for free weekly on Wednesdays on our website, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, and more. Visit www.thescaldcircle.com for more information. Now then, this begins the tale of the theft of Aiden's apples. Very early one summer morning, Odin, Loki, and Honir crossed into Midgard, happy in one another's company, and intent on exploring some part of the earth not already known to them. In the pale blue, almost pale green light that gives an edge to everything, the three friends crossed a desolate reach of grit patrolled only by the winds. Before men in Midgard had stirred and woken, the gods were striding over scrubby, undulating grounds. Then they tramped round a great mass of spiky, dead, dark rock, and headed for the summit of a conical mountain. All day they trekked and talked, and in the evening they followed the course of a rapid, milky river from a glacier down into a valley, a jigsaw of fields, yellow and brown and green. Odin, Loki, and Honir had not brought any food with them, and were beginning to feel very uneasy about it, when they had the luck to come across a herd of oxen. While Loki sized them up, chose one, and killed it, Odin and Honir gathered fallen branches from a grove of stunted oaks and made a fire. They then cut up the ox into huge pieces and put the pieces into the heart of the fire. The smell ravished the gods, and they could barely wait to eat. As soon as they thought the joints were roasted, they scattered the fire, pulled the meat out of the flames. It's not ready, said Odin, surprised. We must be so hungry that a little time seemed long to us. Loki and Honir ranked up the brands and put the meat back into the fire again. Suddenly a chill wind channeled down the valley. Although the sun still loped across the western sky with the wolf at its heels, all the heat had drained out of the summer day. The three gods wrapped their cloaks round them and sat and waited. Do you think it's ready? asked Honir. What do you think? Shall I find out? One of these days you'll choke on your own uncertainty, said Loki. Leaping to his feet and scattered the fire for a second time. It must be cooked now. Odin took a piece out of the flames. It's still not ready, he said. And it ought be. There's nothing wrong with this fire, Honir said. And yet our dinner is as raw now as it was to begin with, said Loki, looking at the meat and grimacing. Well, said Odin, something is working against it. Something sitting up here, said a voice from above them. The three gods at once looked into the leafy branches of the oak tree above the fire. They looked and they saw an eagle sitting there, and it wasn't a small one. Let me eat my fill, said the eagle to the three upturned faces, and your ox will be cooked. The gods conferred and were of one mind. Since we too want to eat tonight, Odin told the eagle, we agree. There is nothing else we can do. Then the eagle screeched, it flapped its immense wings, swooped down from the tree and settled over the fire. At once it snatched up both the shoulders and both parts of the rump as well. Then it eyed the gods, and crouching at the root of the oak, began to eat. Loki was so angry that he raised his staff and rammed it into the bird's body. The eagle was thrown off balance and dropped the meat. It screeched again and took to the air. 
one end of the staff was firmly lodged in the eagle's back, and to his alarm, Loki found that he was unable to let go of the other. He pulled and twisted and yelled to no purpose. His hands were stuck to the staff. The eagle flew at great speed, and it took care to fly close enough to the ground to make sure that Loki did not have a smooth ride. The trickster was dragged across the floor of Midgard. His knees and ankles banged into boulders. His legs and feet were scratched by gorse bushes and thorns until they were bleeding. Mercy, shouted Loki. The eagle took no notice. It dragged Loki on his backside across a glacier until he was all but skinned. Mercy, yelled Loki again. He thought his outstretched arms were going to be wrenched from their sockets. Only, said the eagle, rising to give Loki a little respite. Only if you will swear. What, shouted Loki, anything, mercy. Only if you will swear to bring Aiden and her apples out of Asgard. Loki closed his eyes and pressed his lip together and said nothing. He knew now that the eagle could only be one of the giants in disguise. The eagle swooped again and Loki could hardly bear the pain as his kneecaps and shins and ankles and toes cracked against the rocks and boulders and scree. Mercy, implored Loki. I promise you, I swear it. Seven days hence, said the eagle. Lead Aiden over the Bifrost when the sun is halfway across the east and west. I promise, called Loki. The trickster found that its hands were at once set free and he fell to the stony ground. Very slowly he picked himself up and looked at his wounds. Then, in the gathering darkness, he began to limp back towards his companions. Seven days passed and Loki found Aiden wandering through the sloping field above her hall. She was singing softly to herself and quite carefree. The sun caressed her, childlike she moved, untroubled by the world's troubles around her. Petty squabbles, suffering, savage wars, and always time passing. Her basket of golden apples was looped over one arm. Aiden, called Loki. Bragi's wife paused and turned. I've come at once, you can't imagine. I could scarcely believe it myself. Speak more simply, said Aiden. Deep in the forest just beyond the Bifrost, I came across a tree quite unlike the others. Unlike any tree I've seen in the Nine Worlds, it stands in a glade and it glows with a soft light. Aiden opened her grey eyes wide and Loki went on to describe his find so carefully that anyone less trusting would have known it came straight out of his head. Aiden, it bears golden apples, he said, jabbing with his forefinger at one of the apples in the basket. The same as yours, and perhaps like yours they contain unending youth. We should take them at once for the gods. Aiden smiled and nodded in agreement. Don't forget your own apples, we must compare them, said Loki. And he led the way over the sunlit field and out of Asgard. They hurried past Hamdahl's hall, and then Loki took Aiden by the hand and walked with her over the Bifrost. The flames danced round their feet and they were unharmed. The eagle was waiting. As soon as Aiden set foot in Midgard, it rose from a thicket, it beat its dark wings, swooped on the goddess and snatched her up. It carried her and her apples straight over the sea to Jotunheim, for as Loki had suspected, the eagle was none other than a giant. It was Thiazi. Thiazi lifted Aiden to his storm home at Thrymheim, 
high in the mountains. Here you'll stay, he gloated. Without you, without your apples, the gods will age, and I will remain young forever. When they missed Aiden, the gods at once grew extremely anxious. They knew that without her magic apples, they would wither and grow old, and indeed, they soon began to crumble inside their clothes and seemed smaller than they were before. Their skin hung over their bone houses, bunched or puffy or wrinkled or stretched so tight that it looked as though the bone would break through. The eyes of one became bloodshot and the eyes of another misty. One god's hands began to tremble. One lost all his hair, and one could not control his bowels. Their joints creaked and ached, and they felt utterly limb-weary. The gods felt the spring in their step and the strength in their bodies ebbing from them hour by hour. Then the minds of the gods lost their skip and started to soften. One became outspoken about the shortcomings of the others and one began to ramble like an idiot. But most of the gods grew quiet and did not trouble to say many things they would have said before. And they were all obsessed by the same concern with time, the same fear. When they did speak, they repeated themselves, or they began sentences and did not complete them. The summer sunlight shone on Asgard. Clouds drifted overhead, and the minds of the gods wandered even as they worried about their old age. Odin knew he must rally his own strength and summon the gods to council. Everyone in Asgard made his way to Gladsheim, a dismal, straggling procession under the sun. All of the gods and goddesses and their servants, only Aiden and Loki were missing. Odin looked at the great gathering of stooping, shuffling, mumbling figures. We must find Aiden, he called. You see how it is without her, without her apples, and it grows worse. Who was the last to see her? I saw Loki lead Aiden over the Bifrost, said Heimdall's servant. There was a deep silence in Gladsheim. No one doubted then that it was Loki that was the cause of what had happened to them. There is only one thing to do, said Odin. We must capture Loki. Weary as they were, the gods searched for the trickster. They looked in every hall and outbuilding and in every copse and corner of Asgard. They knew their lives depended on it. At last they found him asleep in Aiden's own field. They seized and bound him before he could do anything about it. Loki was brought to the Council of the Gods, protesting, and there Odin at once charged him with leading Aiden out of Asgard. Bring her back, said the Allfather. Your choice is easy enough to explain and easy to understand. Bring Aiden and her apples back, otherwise we'll put you to death. It is true, said Loki, that I walked out of Asgard with Aiden, but then I had no choice. Loki told them how the eagle that carried him off when he was trekking with Odin and Honir was none other than the giant Thiazi. And I had to agree to those threats to escape with my life, said Loki. Did you have to fulfill them, asked Odin. Loki's eyes gleamed, red and green. Since you consort with eagles, said Odin, we'll draw a blood eagle on your back. No, said Loki, and he shrank before Odin's savage eye. And your ribcage will spring apart. No, said Loki, cowering. Like wings, said Odin, and his teeth were clenched.
I will find Aidna and her apple, said Loki. If Freya will lend me her falcon skin, I'll fly at once to Jotunheim, I swear. Then Odin shook and released Loki and Freya, beautiful Freya. Her face like a pouch now and her hair falling out, went directly to her hall with him. She pulled down the falcon skin hanging over one of the beams. You are not quite so beautiful now that you're bald, said Loki. Freya said nothing. Her body shook. She wept tears of gold and handed Loki the falcon skin. Thrynheim perched over the top of a mountain and seemed actually to grow out of the dark rock. The winds whirled round it and found their way through the walls into cold, drafty rooms. When Loki reached it early in the evening, he was fortunate enough to find the giant Thiazi was not at home. He had gone off fishing, and his daughter Skadi had gone without him. He had gone fishing, and his daughter Skadi had gone with him. Loki discovered Aiden in a smoky room huddled over a fire. She turned to him, and once the schemer extended his falcon wings, he murmured the runes, the magic words, and turned Aiden into a nut. Then he picked her up between his claws and flew off as fast as he could. In a little time, Thiazi and his daughter returned from the day's fishing, and when the giant found that Aiden was no longer there, he roared and hurled his pail to the ground. He knew there was no way in which the goddess could have escaped Thrymheim without help. Then Thiazi donned his eagle skin for a third time and set off across the mountains and the high, lifeless wilderness. The distance from Thrymheim to Asgard was immense, and the eagle was stronger than the falcon. As Loki grew closer to Asgard, so Thiazi grew closer to Loki. When he sat in his throne, looking over the nine worlds, nothing escaped Odin. No movement of man or giant or elf or dwarf. Bird in the air or animal on earth or fish in the sea. What other gods could not see at all, Odin fixed and followed with his single eye. Now he saw Loki flying at great speed toward Asgard and the eagle Thiazi chasing him. At once he ordered all the gods and goddesses and their servants, worn out and short-winded as they were, to hurry out of Asgard with bundles of shavings, all the wood that the servants of the gods had prepared to kindle their fires in the great halls. Pile them up against the wall, said Odin. Loki is coming. The still summer air began to hum as if an unseen storm were near and about to burst on them. It began to throb, and then the gods and goddesses saw the falcon and the huge eagle close behind it. From a great height, the falcon dived down over the walls of Asgard, still holding the nut between its claws. Light the shavings, cried Odin. The shavings! The flames leapt up, almost unseen in the bright sunlight. The eagle was so close behind the falcon that he could not stop himself. He flew straight through the flames, his wings caught fire. Thiazi blundered into Asgard and fell to the ground in torment. Then the gods stumbled back through the gates into their citadel and quickly killed him there. Loki threw off the falcon skin. He looked at the gray, aged, anxious ones pressing around him and scornfully laughed in their faces. Then he bent over his trophy. He cradled it between his hands and softly spoke the runes. Aiden stood there, young, supple, and smiling. She moved innocent among the ailing gods, and she offered them apples. And that is the tale of the theft of Aiden's apples. Thank you for listening to our story. If you enjoyed it, please take a look at our Patreon page to learn how you can earn great rewards while also supporting us. 
A special thank you to Kat for their support this month. It means the world to us. Remember, we release new tales for free weekly on Wednesdays. Find out where you can hear them on our website at www.theskullcircle.com. Once again, thank you for listening to our story.